0: Good morning, I invite you to stand as we begin singing this morning with a medley of Christmas carols, beginning with Good Christian Men Rejoice.
1: And welcome to the Christmas season, First Baptist Church, Sun City West. We are so excited that you're here today. And if this is the very first Sunday that you've been here, we would love for you to fill out a guest card in the pew in front of you and just drop it in one of the offering boxes when you leave. We would certainly appreciate that. This is a wonderful season. And this morning, we focus our attention upon Jesus Christ. Peace. The peace and the love that christ brings and with that today we will also be observing the lord's supper a very special time as we enter into this very wonderful christmas season if you would join me in prayer and then a very focused time on advent father thank you for the time and the opportunity that you've given us to come we are grateful we're thankful and father we ask you through the power of your spirit That you would guide us at every element of this worship for every piece is put together father to help each one of us to be worshipers participators engaged to focus upon giving you the honor and praise and glory that only you deserve and father also being very open to what you have to say to us through the power of your spirit And I pray we would listen today. We would listen, we would celebrate in this festive Christmas season, the focus of the first advent of Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen.
2: Today we light the second of our For Advent candles, while the first candle represents the hope that Christ brings to us, today's candle focuses upon the peace that he makes possible. The Hebrews had a beautiful word for peace. It was the word shalom. That word conveyed not only the idea of harmony in relationships, as we would tend to define peace, today, but it had a richer and much fuller meaning. The ideas of wholeness, completeness, and well-being, all those were wrapped up in that word. It was the customary greeting that the Jewish people had with one another. So when the prophet indicated that the one who was to come would be called the Prince of Peace, The prince of Shalom, that was a part of what the prophet was conveying. And if you'll notice, the apostle Paul begins each of his letters teeming that word peace with grace. Grace and peace to you, he says repeatedly. Through Christ, all these elements of peace can be ours. We can have peace with God through a right relationship with Jesus Christ. We can have peace in the midst of life circumstances, no matter how difficult or challenging those times may be. And we have the assurance that nothing, absolutely nothing, not even death itself, will separate us from the one who is the source of our peace. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. So it is no wonder that the prophet could refer to the one who was to come as the Prince of Peace. Hear him as he says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so, today, we light the candle that symbolizes peace. Al and Wanda Jackson, Wilma Jackson, are coming to do that just now. candle of peace has been lighted, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.
0: That favorite hymn, Let There Be Peace on Earth, let's sing together.
3: Please pray with me. Oh, Father, how happy we are to be in your house today. Thank you for bringing us all here on this beautiful, beautiful day. Lord Jesus, we're here to welcome, to worship you, and to glorify you, and to praise you. Father, please just fill this house with your Holy Spirit. May we truly hear and listen to the words that you've given to Dr. Kirby Each and every day. During this beautiful season, may our hearts and minds be focused on you, your love, and your sacrifice for us. Father, you always provide for our every need. And we thank you for all that you do and all that you are. Our gratitude can never be expressed with just a thank you, it must be lived out in obedience to you. Lord, we rely on your guidance, we rely on your loving hand to pick us up when we fall. Please keep us close to you, and just guide us through this day and through this season, and may we always just have you in our hearts and in our minds. I pray all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.
1: Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Not just a couple of you, but all of you.
3: God's still calling people, he hasn't stopped. Not just to be pastors, not just to be teachers, not just to be local missionaries, but to reach
4: all the nations. We can do all things through Christ, but we have to choose to do exactly what He's asking us to do. We realize
3: that we cannot do it alone.
0: God calls me to be obedient, calls us to be obedient, but really the work is totally dependent upon Him
5: and what He has planned.
1: People are coming in and they're seeing new life, they're seeing people who have been changed by the gospel.
4: Someone from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation will be at the foot of Jesus.
2: This is, this is living, this is joy, this is satisfaction, this is reward, this
1: is what we were created for. It's what we're wired by God to do. And it's when we do that, that yes, we'll risk certain things in this world, but we'll realize real quickly that the risk is far outweighed by the reward.
0: In front of you are offering envelopes for the Loddy Moon Christmas offering. They were also in your bulletin last week, but feel free to take one or a second if you need. Our church goal is $19,350. So if you have been praying and God has led you to give already, please do so. But you will have a few more weeks toward that offering. And 100% of it goes to help our some 3,700 foreign missionaries around the world i heard the bells on christmas day let's sing
6: church family our scripture today reading for today is from luke chapter 10 verses 30 to 35 and you can read in the pew bible or on the screen in reply jesus said a man was going down from jerusalem to jericho when he was attacked by robbers they stripped him of his clothes beat him and went away leaving him half dead priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man he passed by on the other side so too a levite when he came to the place and saw him passed by on the other side but a samaritan as he traveled came where the man was and when he saw him he took pity on him he went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine then he put the man on his own donkey brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. These are the words of the Lord.
1: 1977, I read a book by C.B. Hogue. The name of that book was Love Leaves No Choice. It's a book on lifestyle evangelism, and uh, uh, Dr. Hogue charted a different path than what normally, as Southern Baptists, Had been doing and that's just basically going through some kind of methodology in how we communicate the gospel how we share the gospel or witness to folks that uh, that title has never left me love leaves no choice we live in a world today that is very chaotic it is a world that um, as we have seen in the the news recently um, there seems to be a lot of violence criminal activity Um, lack of concern for individuals and that is so contrary to what the scripture has to tell us and so this morning I thought we would take a journey on a parable that Jesus told when he was having a dialogue with the religious leaders today we talk about love that makes a difference if love leaves no choice, then it should make a difference in our lives and the lives of those that we touch. I think the Bible is very plain about people all around us having needs. There's not a person in this worship center this morning, nor in the community that God has placed us in, that don't have some kind of needs. And our parable today emphasizes that believers need to be cognizant, aware of the needs that Others have and not only be cognizant of those, but also do something about them. We do that because of the love of Christ that should be in our lives, because if we have accepted Christ into our lives, it should have radically changed us. We shouldn't be the same people that we were before. There should be a motivation to love as Christ loved others that should be within us as the power of god's spirit lives inside of us so we need to be loving neighbors and we need to have compassionate care love that makes a difference i believe that this scripture teaches us that love that makes a difference sees the needs of people and i think seeing those needs really seeing them is very important the reality is that every single person has needs And the greatest need that they have is the spiritual need. The fact is, as scripture tells us, that people are spiritually dead. And becoming spiritually alive is the greatest gift that not only God can give them, but that we can share with them. There are several spiritual truths that jump out of this parable that jesus told in the midst of this very tense conversation that was taking place i believe that what comes out of this parable is love at the very top it is foremost there's another truth that we find in this parable and that's that people find themselves in need for various reasons this parable the fact is as debbie read the robbers really did attack this victim he was left bludgeoned pretty much naked left for dead this act represents any influence, influence that keeps people away from god as we take the spiritual truths out of this parable that jesus is trying to get across i believe that influence is a key issue there are influences that keep people from realizing their need or for us seeing the needs of people influence is vital and important you might have heard the story about the dignified old pastor that owned a parrot a parrot that he loved so much the only problem with that parrot was that that parrot liked to curse <laughs> he learned cursing from the previous owner and that old pastor did everything that he could to try to retrain this parrot but to no avail. And that showed because there were a number of very embarrassing situations that took place at the pastor's house. (laughs) So he finally decided he was going to have to put that parrot to sleep. But there was a pet lover in his congregation. She had one last possible solution. She said, pastor, I have a female parrot. She's a saint. In fact she sits quietly on her perch and she prays constantly so why don't you bring your parrot over and see if my parrot can influence your parent and so the pastor thought it was worth a try so the next night he arrived with his pet and that bird took one look at that lady bird and (laughs) he said hey toots how about a big kiss well, that female parrot looked over and said, Hallelujah, my prayers have been answered. <laughs> we must never minimize the power of influence for the good or for the bad. Fire will not burn it down. Water will not drown it. Time will not erode it. Our influence lasts forever long after we're gone gone our influence will continue to be around from the generation to generation we see that carelessness can also keep people away from god not only a bad influence but also carelessness This victim in the parable, he knew that King Herod had released men from the temple projects that he was doing. Money was tight, the economy was not good, they lost their jobs, they had families to feed and to clothe. They were trying to figure out how are we going to do that. Some of these displaced workers had become robbers along the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was a well-known fact in that day that You did not travel by yourself, you always needed to have a companion or a caravan, or you didn't travel early in the morning, and that's what happened. Luke chapter 10, verse 30 says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. On the news, when you see different events that have unfolded or take place, it's interesting that many times when somebody stops to help, they call that person a good Samaritan. You hear that on the news all the time. This is where it comes from, being a good Samaritan. This man was a victim. Now, he may have been careless. His mindset probably was, you know what? I've got to get to Jerusalem. I've got some urgent business to take care of. That may have been what was in his mind. He said I got to go. I got to go early. I can't wait for anybody else to come with me and so I'm going to travel. And maybe it was just some isolated events. But the reality is that he may have used poor judgment. And he may have been careless. That happens. And when that happens maybe to us or to someone we know all of a sudden we find ourselves in need willful choice also keeps people away from god this victim knew the danger he chose to go that way at that particular time probably early despite the danger that he knew was there he figured he could just plow right through it he could get to accomplish the task that he felt like he needed to get done. So there might have been some stubbornness there, a willful choice to say, I'm going to get this accomplished regardless. I've spoken with a number of people in our community, and I've talked to them about the gospel, I've invited them to come to church, and I have heard this time over and over again. Individuals say, listen, I haven't needed faith my entire life. Why in the world would I need it? At this stage of my life, stubbornness, carelessness, a lack of understanding that what they're missing is this spiritual need. And they have it. That can happen to so many people. They just don't see it. But the needs are real. The message of God's love can meet their spiritual needs and that's what we must continue to do that's what jesus came for was so that we could share the gospel with people that we know it's not just for young generations it's it's for all of us that embrace the great commission and the people that god has allowed to come around us it could be with the uh The domino games that we have at our house it could be with cards it could be with the clubs around whatever it is we're influencing and we're seeing those needs and it's so critical for us to see them and God has given us the message of his love so that we can meet the most critical and the greatest need that they have let me tell you this religion cannot meet that spiritual need in Luke chapter thirty. Uh, in Luke chapter 10, verses 31 and 32, the scripture says, a priest happened to be going down that same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Here you have the religious leaders. Jesus inserted them into this parable for a very good reason, because religious leaders of that day They were not concerned with the compassion, the majority of them, the compassion, the care. They had their authority, and they had their religious rights. They had their traditions. Jesus was in the midst of this uh, interesting discussion with Pharisees, with religious leaders. They continued to debate with him ongoing. And so Jesus said, listen, here's this priest and this Levite. Here they represent religion. And they gave no concern whatsoever. They simply passed by on the other side of the road. They did not want to get their hands dirty with someone who was unclean at this time because of the situation they found themselves in. There was no compassion for this man. But they probably had a ministry they needed to get to, and now if they went. We also find that people can't meet their own spiritual need. This victim lay helpless, stripped down, beaten, and half dead. There was no way that he was going to be able to get up and take care of himself or get up and call or go to someone who could help him. He was there motionless and probably dying. But we do find that Jesus can meet their spiritual need. In verse 33, the scripture says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. One of the spiritual truths that we can get out of this parable is that Jesus is the good Samaritan. In the midst of our sin, as a world and as individuals. He saw our need and he saw that religion could not meet that need and he saw that we ourselves could not meet that need and so he left the glories of heaven to come here. That's why we celebrate Christmas. An understanding of his advent, his coming. His coming to say, listen, i can help you i can help bandage your wounds and i can give you life everlasting and you know jesus has entrusted to each of us that message of god's love for us not to hold on to and to not share but to communicate to everyone He's entrusted us with that. So we ourselves should become those good Samaritans. So we find that not only does love make a difference uh, or love that makes a difference see the needs of people, but secondly, we find that love that makes a difference strives to meet those needs. When Jesus was talking about the answer to someone who said what's the greatest commandment, One of the religious leaders in matthew chapter 22 and verse 39 jesus said and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself the first was love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength that in itself should motivate us to love others but then he says love your neighbor as yourself if you don't have a compassionate care for your neighbor if you're not willing to reach out to them and touch them with compassionate care helping to meet the needs that they have at that moment and also the eternal needs then that says a lot about your own self-love or the lack thereof It should flow out of us, the love of Christ, as he's loved us. It should flow from us to the lives of others. Let me tell you, people, their needs are real. This victim really was laying on the ground, dying. The needs of people can be physical. In verses 34 and 35, we find that the Samaritan went to him, and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you might have. You see here that there are some pretty interesting traits characteristics about this Samaritan whom the Jews did not like and yet he stopped to help a Jewish man. One is that he went directly over to him and he had pity on him. It's not that that he knew him, but he saw that he was hurt, he was in need. And so he took of his own resources and he began to care for this man. And instead of The donkey carrying him all the way down to to Jericho he put the man who was the victim on the donkey all the way down to the end and he placed him there and he stayed with him the entire rest of the day caring for him the scripture says and then he had to head on to his business he gave the innkeeper money and he said listen A denarii is about a day's wage. So he gave him two days wages and said, listen, if you'll just care for him, make sure that he does okay. And if it takes longer, when I come back this way, I promise you, I'll take care of any extra expense. And so he not only cared for the man right then, he cared for his complete healing. He had pity on him. When my uh, oldest daughter uh, was a kindergarten teacher in Florida. Uh, Debbie and I would look at each other because she taught kindergarten in a very poor area of uh, outside of our, our community, in our, in our county. And many of those kids, they were kids uh, who either was with a uh, one parent or the parents were on drugs. It was very poor, very difficult. It was heart-wrenching. And when those kids would come to, to, to class, They might not have a coat. They might not have clothes or shoes. We would look at each other and say, you know, she's spending probably half or more of her salary on going and getting clothes and coats and shoes for these kids. The needs are real. And those needs can be physical needs. And we need to do what we can to help. I don't think you have to look too far to see that people in our area are in need. In our region, there are people that don't have enough to eat. We help um, through our our donations, uh, food donations, the uh, St. Mary's Food Bank. It's probably one of the largest networks of, of food banks in the country, and it's right here in Arizona. It's revealing how many meals they serve this past year they served over 86 million meals the way i figured it it was somewhere around and i didn't go back and look at my calculator this morning but somewhere around 225 to 235,000 meals a day in all of their various locations on their website it says that they give away 97 million pounds of food every year in our state. That tells me that the need is real. And we now know that inflation is the highest it's been in three decades, and this is gonna create even a greater need, and it's going to address people within our own congregation, as well as our community who live on Social Security. You have an inflation rate, the way it's going now, it pinches every single penny. And so the need is great. There are government agencies that are striving to meet those needs, but we also understand it's difficult in this pandemic-type environment. Churches and civic organizations are doing what they can to try to help in every way that we can, but we can do better. Uh, I am associated with the board um, on the Sun City West Community Fund. In fact, we just have a brand new board member now, Dick Schroeder, just got elected 100% to come on the board. Good job, good job, Dick. Look forward to working with you. That's right here in Sun City West. Last year, they wrote checks for 754 payouts building $135,000-plus to people in Sun City West to try to help them either make their utility bills, get them food, or other expenses that they just don't have the funds for. The 2020 census reveals that in the zip code 85375, which is our zip code, there are 7.5% of the people who are under the poverty level. That's how they live. In Sun City proper itself, it's probably around 4 to 5%. The physical needs are real in our community, and we need to do what we can to address those as a church, but also as believers in Christ, expressing the love that's needed. The needs also can be psychological. I might have told you about my father who in World War II, because of the pressures of what was happening uh, in uh, In the Pacific, there was this one night that that he just was about to fall apart. And if it hadn't been for two sailors, nameless sailors, that walked him, one on either side of him, up and down the deck on their ship, all night long, to keep him from just falling apart, it would have been quite the mess. At the same time, for the rest of his life, he did suffer from PTSD and depression, on and and off, at the same time, being a high-functioning minister. But he had to deal with that. Approximately 30% of men and 27% of women had PTSD at some point in their life who were Vietnam veterans. Those that dealt with the Gulf War and through the 9-11 era, it's between somewhere between 12 and 20% deal with those same types of issues. Those people that come to help us, and we see them all the time in Sun City West, the first responders. In a 2019 study, it said that 34% of first responders suffer from PTSD or depression from time to time. Estimates uh, from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention say about 25% of Americans suffer from some kind of diagnosable mental disorder each year. It may be for a short period of time, or it might be for a longer period of time. And a serious mental illness affects about 6%, according to the National Institute of Mental Health. As you read a little bit farther, you find that for senior adults like you and me, those who are 60-plus, somewhere between 15 and 20% suffer from a mental or a neurological disorder. Listen, this is the world that we live in. There are physical needs, there are psychological needs, and we need to do everything we can to be there to help. And probably every one of us knows someone who has dealt with those for a brief period or that has to deal with them on an ongoing basis. And some of us might be those people. And so we need to reach out and help and encourage. The psychological needs are real. So for various reasons, people become depressed, they become lonely, they become isolated, they become discouraged. They need to experience the love of god through god's people the people who are called and have decided to follow jesus who've been transformed and experienced the love of jesus and the compassion of jesus and we ourselves need to reach out in every way that we can and so we need to be ready we need to be ready that when we see that person we move to action And we come beside them here in the congregation as well as in our neighborhoods and our peer groups. And we need to be willing to listen, to take the time to sit down with someone who's going through those difficulties and readjust our busy schedules and say, listen, I'm here for you. Let's talk. Let's go get some coffee. Why don't you let me come over? just to be there so that they can share and those of us who have god's love who go through those times and know what it's like can help others who are believers who are going through those times or who will go through those times and help walk them through it as well as those people in your neighborhood and those people that you bowl with and those individuals that uh, you play games with on a weekly basis or play golf with, we have the ability. Jesus wanted us to embrace them. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians 6:2, carry each other's burdens and in this way. You will fulfill the law of Christ. He's writing to the churches of Galatia. And he's saying, Listen, your brothers and sisters, we've got to help bear those burdens. Nobody should feel isolated within a body of Christ. We ought to all be able to help one another. That means that we ought to be able to say to our brothers and sisters, hey, I'm going through a really hard time and not be embarrassed about it. Saying, listen, I, I, I just am feeling isolated today, and I, I need somebody to talk with. Can you help me? The problem is it many times we're just a little prideful. We don't want anybody to know. And until we acknowledge in our own lives our needs, there's no way that we're going to let somebody help us. And so for believers to help, we need to open up and be transparent to those people we know we can trust who will listen to us and walk with us. Carry each other's Sometimes it can be a heavy load, and sometimes it can take a lot of time, but it's critical. So there are some needs that can be physical, some that can be psychological. We also find that there are some needs that are sin-related. I think sin-related is probably the most difficult to deal with. How can we help people who have made a mistake or willfully chosen to disobey God? I think the best way to do that is that we can love them without judgment. And that's love that engages in action that eliminates our judging them. Because if we only were looked at by God from his judgment, we'd be in big trouble. But he unconditionally cared for us enough for Jesus to come. And therefore, we ought to unconditionally love those who have chosen to sin and try to do everything we can to love them back into an understanding of their relationship with with Christ as a believer. Or if they don't have a relationship, to help them see the need. Paul said in Galatians 6.1, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Sometimes churches are known to try to restore a person through The older we get, the more that we should understand that to gently nudge people back in and help them and walk with them without judgment changes everything. The word restore means to put back, to bring people back within the body of Christ who are believers, to put them back into a right path and to help them to do that without judgment. And he says, well, how do you do that? Gently. Gently. What does gently really mean? How do you do that gently? Well, you don't broadcast it. You don't share it in some other group. You just take that person as far as they'll let you and walk them step by step. So you have to help them acknowledge that they have sinned. That's not easy. But to acknowledge it, say, yeah, you know what? I really did. That was a willful choice. It's wrong. I want to get back on the right path. And then secondly, you pray with them and you pray for them. Fervently. And third, you walk beside them for whatever time period is necessary to gently bring them back into a vibrant, growing relationship with Christ. And that's not a short term. But I tell you what, that reconciliation changes their lives. It puts them on the right path. Because Paul goes on to say, because you might be the next one to fall. <laughs> oh, never, Pastor. That wouldn't be me. Paul understood. There's no room for spiritual egos self-righteous people because that's who Jesus was dealing with with this parable no because we're all susceptible and so today I may be helping you tomorrow you may be helping me to get back on the right path above all we need to love them love your neighbor as yourself self-love is because Christ has transformed you and you pass that transformation and that unconditional love to others without judgment but guiding them back into that relationship with Christ Jesus said in John 13 34 a new commandment I give you love as I have loved you so you must love one another my second church I had uh, what I thought at that time was an elderly woman coming into my office and she said pastor I want you to know something I said okay he said the Bible tells me that I must love you this is where it comes from but then she looked at me and she said but I want you to know I like you too <laughs> He says we must love one another. So I think there are three courses of action that are open to us from what this parable says. Number one, we can ignore the needs of people. And that's what the priest did. I see him as as seeing the scene ahead and drawing his religious robe tightly around himself and went the long way around so he didn't have to deal with it with, in my mind, what is a judgmental mindset. So we just say, they deserve it. You know, whatever mess they're in, I want nothing to do with it. That's, that's their problem. Or we can admit their needs and do nothing about it. The wording in this scripture, it appears to me concerning the, the Levite, it's a little different than the priest. And from my perspective, I can see him. He sees him and he, he stops and he looks. And then he shakes his head and decided to go on around not to do anything about this one almost like saying man I'm gonna pray for you but I'm heading on my way because I've got work to do so we can pray for people and we should pray for people but that's not a substitute for investing in people and third I think that we should be like Jesus, and we strive to help people with their needs where they are. The victim was on the side of the road in a desolate place, and he was dying. It might be a decision he made, or maybe it was just happenstance, but that's where he was. And so the Samaritan, the one you wouldn't think, he came and he stopped, he saw, he treated, and he carried this victim victim to the end and paid for his continual service so that he could get well. Here we find that this stranger had a compassion to a man who most likely on any other day would not give him the time of day. And so it's not about, well, I'm going to help this person because I know that, that it's beneficial to me. It can help me and maybe he'll help me someday. No, it's not just for our friends. It's for anyone, whether they can help us or not. In Luke 10, verse 36 and 37, at the end of this parable, Jesus says this. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Well, that's our command. To go and do likewise. If he's telling that to this religious leader, whom he had a tense discussion with, then those of us who are followers of Jesus ought to hear, and we ought to go and show mercy, and show his unconditional love, and meet the needs of people. You know, our church is a refuge. It's a hospital. It's a. It's an inn. And we're here to help people, and we're here to heal wounds physically, psychologically, and that are sin-related to the best of our ability. As believers, we've got to do our part. We must do it because there are a lot of victims in our church, and there are a lot of victims in our community there are a lot of victims in the sphere of influence that you have and my question to you today is will you commit to help will you be that good Samaritan will you extend your hands with God's love because that's what's going to make a difference Father as we come to this time as We prepare to observe the Lord's Supper. The things that are brought to the forefront in this parable are things that we must grapple with before we come to the memorial table. Because these are real commitments. And there may be adjustments that we need to make in our mind and our heart before we take the bread and drink the juice. And Father, my prayer this morning is that each one of us would take a few moments and let you search our hearts and our minds and reveal anything that needs to be adjusted so that we can come and remember you and honor you by remembering what this supper means the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made for us he was sinless he died for the sinful he comes with mercy with grace With unconditional love. And the scripture tells us, as we just mentioned, Jesus said, As I have loved you, you must love one another. And God, I pray that we are clear, not only for those within our fellowship, but also those that we live around. And in our community and in our region. So, Father, in these next few moments, as we pray silently, speak to us. And in the pews where we are, help us make the decisions as we prepare the Lord's Supper. Thank you for speaking to us, to each one of us, where we are. As we approach this very solemn time, to remember the gravity of the sacrifice Christ made. The bread that represents and symbolizes the body of Christ that was beaten. was nailed to the cross. the juice that symbolizes his blood poured on Mount Calvary and all of it for us, each one of us. And so we come around this table remembering, celebrating with joy your unconditional love. And I pray our commitment as we take this supper is that we will take that unconditional love everywhere we go. actions, express them. Jesus said, take ye, this is my body. Jesus said drink from me, all of it for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins but I tell you the truth I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom. unconditional love we've experienced it those that have a relationship with Christ there's so many more that need to and our Father through Christ challenges us to love our neighbor as ourself and to love one another our invitation this morning specifically asking you Make whatever decision public that God asks you to make. What he stirred in your heart during the message, during the observance of the Lord's Supper. And if today's the day, you say, you know what? I want to I join this church and be a part of this fellowship and do the ministry God's called us to do. We welcome you to give your life to Christ, to rededicate your life, whatever it is. I'm going to ask you to stand. We'll sing our invitation hymn. You come as God leads you. Amen. Uh... Nancy has a few things to say, and in just a few minutes, I'm going to introduce a couple of uh, of folks that have come to join our church. But I wanted to remind you that uh, our dear friend, Jack Kelly, his memorial service will be at 10 o'clock in the morning, and I hope that you will come and and just support the family. Uh, Jack was a member of this church for about 30 years, and uh, he and his wife got married here. Uh, Jane passed away in uh, July. Um, So you just, if you would. And uh, we uh, lost uh, Diana Lay, uh, Judy's sister, Diana. so a missionary to, uh, to Africa for uh, 39 years and nine months. And uh, it's a great home going for her, but obviously sad. And uh, I think that service is going to be after the first of the year. And this nine is going to be after the first of the year. And I believe uh, Chuck's is too. So. We've lost some some good folks over these last few days. Um, But man, they're celebrating, (laughs) they're celebrating, but we're here to help and to minister to their family that's here.
0: Tuesday morning at eight o'clock is the men's breakfast. Men, there are sign-up sheets in the main lobby as well as the breezeway. If you've not already signed up, indicating that you are planning to come, you need to do that so there will be sufficient food for all of you. The speaker this month is Jim Jasper. So you will want to hear him talk about his journey. At Thursday at 11 o'clock is the Ladies Christmas Luncheon. And ladies, we need to hear from you either today by you signing up or no later than the end of the day tomorrow by four o'clock if you are planning to come. So there's sign-up sheets in both lobbies for you as well. Next Sunday at four o'clock, those of you who are hardy and can still walk a little bit Please join us here and we will go out together kind of behind the church and carol in the neighborhood. And for those of you who would like to come a little bit later at 4.45 for cocoa and snacks, we'll be back and meet you in the CLC. And then at five o'clock, we'll do in-house caroling. So it's just going to be a fun time of Christmas caroling in the neighborhood, eating, which we know and like to do and then at five o'clock in House caroling. That's next Sunday, thank you.
1: John, Carolyn, would you come and stand with me? Maybe right over here. I have a little bit more room right here. Uh, this is John and Carolyn Morris, and uh, these uh, folks are, uh, gosh, from West Virginia, Louisiana, is that right? Do I have that right? Originally, okay. Uh, just tremendous folks had a great time of, of uh, talking with them uh, recently and uh, today they are coming to say we want to be a part of this church. Uh, they have been uh, guests here for a, a month or two I think a couple of months and uh, we are just excited that they have chosen to come. Um, all in favor of accepting them if you show that by the sign I. <laughs> yeah the sign no. All right you guys did good. Yeah.
5: Uh,
1: you're not engaged right now in a Bible study, so I'm gonna ask Bill Sweeney. Bill, since you're already up here, would you mind coming and standing with, uh, with the Morrises? Thank you so much, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> well, that's true, West Virginia, okay. Um, we are going to have our closing prayer in just a moment, but our folks are gonna come around and give you the right hand of Christian Fellowship And uh, basically, we're going to come by here and uh, just tell you how much they're excited about you being part of our fellowship. And also by doing that, being a focus of praying together and working together to accomplish what God desires in the days ahead. We know God brought you here with your giftedness to accomplish the mission he has for us. And so we're excited about that. So thank you so much. Let's ah excited to be here. I like that. Yeah. It's a beautiful season to do that. Let's stand, and we have a David Jakes uh, leading in our closing prayer, and then
2: you come if you would.
4: Would you join me with prayer? Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of being here this morning. Thank you for the privilege of, of uh, singing praises and hearing your message proclaimed. Father, as our pastor shared this morning through the scripture, that Father, when we're out in the community, in anything that we do, Father, that I pray that we'll let our light shine. We can do that by reaching out and helping others in need, and we can do that by examples in our life. A lot of ways we can do that, but Father, we're called to do that, and so I just pray in this next week that uh, we'll be attentive to that, that, that uh, we will do what you want us to do, The mission field is out in our community and surrounding area, and so I just pray that uh, people can see us and know there's something different because we know Jesus Christ is our personal Savior and Lord. And so thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.